the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 31, we've got an amazing chain, the chain of grace. We're going to take a look at that chain and just how sure it is and how secure it is for us. Next, join us. Online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Well, today we are back in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Our unshakable assurance. God is our unshakable assurance. And there's a golden chain that Paul lays out for us here in the passage before us. Those who God foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Now, this is a chain of truth that gives us great confidence in the Lord. Here's Pastor Gary with more on this edition of Abounding Grace. God, our unshakable assurance. Assurance in suffering, assurance of salvation. You go to the doctor tomorrow and he asks, Do you have your will done? I don't think you're going to live much longer. You go to your workplace tomorrow. Sorry, there's no room for you here. Times are bad. Business is slow. Not much money in the bank. A child that you love and raised from the womb turns immoral and curses you to your face. A sin that you thought was long buried suddenly pops up to bite you. You start thinking. I thought I had repented. I thought I knew the Lord. There are all kinds of things that come at us in this life that are like an axe at the root of a tree to test and refine our faith. Some of them tempt us with doubt of God's love. Many of them tempt us to doubt ourselves. Do we really know the Lord? Are these refining fires that the preacher has been talking about recently? Or in my case, are they consuming fires? Does God intend to chasten me through them or destroy me through them? We face all these kinds of things. But where does assurance come from? How can we be assured of God's love? How can we be assured of our interest in God's love, especially when we very often, when very often life swirls around us, whirly-burly, going every which way, and it seems like a chaotic mess. We get sick, we're weak, we struggle, we fall into sin. Well, these verses give us some answers to these questions. And our focus thus far has been to remember first in verse 17 that if we are going to partake of Christ, 
we are going to have to partake of his sufferings. That is the kind of the broad theme that Paul works down through here in our text. We need to remember, though, as we saw a couple of weeks ago in verse 28, that all these things that happen to us, the worst things that can happen to us, are not accidental. God doesn't just throw the dice with the universe. He doesn't make any mistakes. And to those who love him and keep his commandments, he is working all these things for our good. It may not be good in the immediate, in the sense of how we feel about it, but it will bring forth his perfect good and holy will at the end. Plus, verse 29, we need to remember that because God set his love upon us before the foundation of the world, because he chose us to be his own, he has done so, so that we will be like the Lord Jesus. So in the midst of all our suffering, one of the personal goals in it that we always need to remember is, though Jesus is God's son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So if he is our head and we are his body, if he is our elder brother, God is going to bring suffering into our lives and troubles so that we learn the sweetness of Jesus and like him say, and he that sent me is with me. My father hath not let me alone. For I always do those things that please him. But there's even a higher consideration in verse 30 that God gives us. This is like Pishka that Moses stood on as he looked down over the promised land. This is a golden chain of redemption here. I actually don't know how else to describe it, but it's not actually original with me but it's the best that I've ever come across. God says here, listen, do you want to know how secure you are in the midst of your sufferings? Calvin said these crosses and these sufferings so far as being hindrances to your salvation? No, they actually help you. Do you want to believe that? Those diseases the job losses, the world in which we live, our taxes, our children, all the ways that God just seems to throw a new log into the fire of refinement every day. Do we not want to know that these things are really working together for our good? Some of you are in tears right now. Some of you are going through some very, very deep soul-searching And you feel like your life is being sucked out of you. We need some stability in this life, do we not? Do you know where God takes us in verse 30? He takes us where he took Job. He is taking Paul there in our text right now. Even though Paul is feeling his wretchedness, he takes us to himself. There's only one subject in verse 30, and that is he, that is God. There is no assurance to be found in us 
I cannot manipulate you nor you me. Even though there are 10,000 preachers you can listen to that will do everything they can to manipulate you psychologically so you come out smiling each week or had an encounter with God in worship and now everything is just very good with you. But there is no assurance to be found in me, in you, or in just changing our circumstances. There's no secret key so you can have your best life now, so that everything can be trouble-free. It doesn't exist, beloved. And the main reason it doesn't exist is that God is God and not a man. And he intends to make us to be conformed into the image of his Son through sufferings and hardships. God is one who is our unshakable assurance. And what he shows us in verse 30 is five links in this chain. So that we, when we are struggling, when we feel sucker punched by life, by circumstances, by God himself, like Job, we can come back here and say, it's okay. Or the conclusion that we'll get to the next Lord's Day, if God be for us, who can be against us? Five links. Now the first one is actually in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Now I talked about this at length about two weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into any details again. But it is a very simple idea. That before there was anything but God which, of course, we can't imagine because we are creatures, but we don't have to. We just need to believe what Scripture says. Before there was anything but God, God knew His people, those whom He chose to belong to Him. The Bible so often uses the word known with respect to God to mean love. So before there was anything, God set his love upon us in eternity. And now you say, how does that give me assurance? You see, this is where believing in doctrines that are very difficult and mysterious, which I will be the first to admit, this is where believing in the biblical teaching of foreknowledge and predestination just anchor the soul like nothing else does. Uh, but wait a minute. If God knew me and loved me, Jesus said in John 17, Father, I have revealed my name to those whom you have given me. Verse 24 of chapter 17, that those whom you have given me may be with me where I am. If we are known of God, if the Lord knows who are his, if he knew us before all eternity, listen, do you think anything that happens in history is going to stop God from knowing me? Stop Him from loving me? You see, the apostle here goes to the very, very pinnacle, which, of course, the Holy Spirit takes him there. He could have never gone there by himself. And he says, do you want assurance? Do you want security? Do you want that bedrock confidence that everything that is happening in your life, God is working it together for good? Yeah, but I don't see how. I, I, I don't feel it in my bones. 
but you don't have to. God says, remember, I have known you before you knew yourself, before you ever existed, before there was anything but me. You were in my mind. You were in my heart. I loved you, and I chose you to be my own. So guess what? Nothing will ever stop God's love from claiming, saving, keeping those whom he has set his love upon. Nothing. People today say, well, it's 2022. Times are bad. The government is evil. Well, do you think evil, tyrannical governments can stop eternal, holy love? They're just dust and wind. Do you think your diseases, your illnesses, your bosses, your spouse, your poor finances can stop or hinder God's eternal love from reaching its perfect purposes in your life? No, but notice here. This is outside of ourselves. This is not let me find three ways to tweak my emotional state. No, this is we've got to stand with Moses on Pishka. And we have to see God's glory and his faithfulness. In other words, we have to behold God's glory. The assurance is not here. The assurance is not found in our circumstances. It is found in him. The second link, Paul continues, for whom he did predestinate. I said, if you remember, that the word predestinate means that God not only knew us and loved us, but knowing us and loving us before all eternity, he set the boundaries of our lives. That is what the word means. He set the boundaries. Now, predestination is admittedly an ugly word today. But it is only an ugly word for those who don't take seriously man's depravity, man's fallenness. It's only an ugly word for those who don't appreciate the fact that God would never leave his eternal love in the hands of our fickled and fallen will. Never. What kind of God would that be? He'd be a demon. Well, that's not how our God does things, is it? God says, I've known you. I've loved you before the foundation of the world. I've written your name in my book of life. I've marked out also, secondly, the boundaries of your life. You are mine. I have chosen you in my son. Now, do you think, to go to our main point of assurance, that if God has chosen you and marked out the boundaries of your life, that the disease, the hard work you may be called on to do, the struggles with temptations that he has brought into your life, do you think these things were going to thwart his boundary markers? He has claimed you to be his beloved. Now, it is interesting. No matter where you stand on the subject of predestination, Everyone who understands the doctrine at all has to say, well, we have nothing to do with it. We have nothing to do with predestination. We didn't help God choose us. God didn't look down the quarters of time and say, I think he'd be a really cool to have on my wiffle ball team. God didn't do any of that. 
This was his mere good pleasure. People today, they complain. Even in the church, we can't have predestination because we can't have God playing favorites. No, we need to be glad. Not only does God not play favorites in the human sense of the term, but he gives his enemy grace. Because the marvel of predestination is that God would choose some and let others go by. Or actively even reprobate others. But really that is not the mystery. The mystery is that he would choose one single person at all. That is the mystery. Because we are all fallen and dead in our trespasses and sins and unable to please God and alienated from him in our own minds by wicked works. So here's the second link in the chain of assurance. Notice again, it is not found in you. It's not found in your circumstances. It's not found in, boy, if my daddy would just do what he's supposed to do and stop introducing so much confusion into my life. I could, of course, be a better daughter then, or, or a better son. If my husband would just straighten up, I could be a better wife. If my boss wasn't such a, or if we could just get a better person elected to office, or just fill in your own blank here. There is no assurance in any of these, because the Lord will never have our confidence be in a man at any level. So again, he takes us to this very high pinnacle and says, Do you want to have insurance? I have marked you out as belonging to me. I have chosen you in my son. You might ask, how, how do I climb up there? How do I know? I mean, I, I hear you, Pastor Gary. I, I'm glad to hear that assurance isn't based on me and my circumstances and my ability to manage my finances or even manage my family. I'm glad to hear that because it's not working for me. But how do I know God loves me and chose me to be his own? Look at the third link in the chain. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. In other words, we are never to think of foreknowledge and predestination as just esoteric theological ideas. It is an unbreakable connection between God's love of us in eternity, God's choosing of us, and his actual work in us in history. So what does God do for all those for whom he has loved? What does he do for all those from whom he has predestined? He calls them. Now this isn't a general calling of the gospel, although it includes it. In, in other words, we are to present the gospel to everyone. We are not supposed to sit here and say, well, they seem like they're elect, so I'll talk to them. But I'm sure they're not elect, so I'm not going to talk to them. We don't know. And it's not any of our business. In fact, it is silly that such an idea was ever brought forward as an objection to election and predestination. Because the gospel is to go out to everyone. One of the church's missions in this world is to teach all the nations and all the men in all those nations everything Christ has commanded. 
But this calling is special. It is distinguishing. It is discriminating, and we should be very glad that it is. Because if God did not give a discriminating gospel call, everyone would go to hell. I know our free-willing brothers would like to leave some room here for their will. But again, men are dead in their trespasses and sins. And never choose Jesus. God has to quicken our minds, illumine our minds, renew our wills, and then we can come. Then we are able to decide to follow Jesus. But it is because God God has called us out of our tombs. Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24. Hear what Jesus says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead, not the half alive, but the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. In other words... What Jesus did at the tomb of Lazarus is what he does to all those whom God knew in eternity and predestined to be his own. He stands at the tomb of their life and says, Alex, come forth. David, come forth. Matthew, come forth. Pearl, come forth. That is what he does. And then... The dead come out and they live. That is what happened to Lydia in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Here we have a very interesting little passage that shows the connection between the general call of the gospel that goes out to everyone and then God's particular call. Acts 16, 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. So Paul's preaching and teaching. And here, of course, there were other people there besides Lydia, but God opened Lydia's heart so that she could hear, heed, and receive the things that were spoken of by Paul. So, are you called? I mean, you and I have got to be brought out of our tomb. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you are born from on high, which is another way of saying, unless Jesus stands at the tomb of your life and calls your name, which is another way of saying, Acts sixteen fourteen, the Lord opened her mind. He opened her heart. I cannot see or hear or enter the kingdom of God unless God calls me out of the darkness and into the fellowship of his Son. That's in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Now, before you answer the question, are you called, think for a moment how this contributes to assurance. If you do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you are clinging to him, why is that? It is because your middle name 
is Lazarus. If you believe the gospel and you have come to Jesus Christ, one of your names is Lazarus. Now, what do I mean by that? Because Jesus Christ, by his spirit, through human instruments, has stood at the tomb of your life, and he has called you out of death into the light and life, just like Lazarus. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.